welcome to Flesh and Bold, episode one. You ready for this, Nevi Nev? Uh, I think I'll, I'm as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> Glad to have you by my side, though, on this journey. Um, I want to kick the first episode off with a question. Can you still yeah. celebrate July 4th and be woke? Ooh. <laughs> that's that's quite a question. Wants to know. Oh my gosh, you know, this reminds me of a um, workshop that I did. And, you know, I, I'm going to be vulnerable here uh, and say, I, uh, prior to this workshop, I used to love July 4th. I mean, who doesn't love getting the day off? But uh, one of my students um, was like, almost disappointed in me for my celebration of it so i'm glad we're going to explore this today i am too let go um so i think we should talk about the history behind july 4th i mean we know that america was celebrating their independence from british rule and it was kind of ironic because slavery was still alive and well right um but I want to talk about some history that's a little maybe less known. So Frederick Douglass, powerful, well-known abolitionist, had a speech July 5th, actually, in 1852, mm. entitled, What to the Slave is July 4th? So like right there, he was even calling out like, what does July 4th mean to people who are enslaved? You're celebrating your freedom while we're mourning, you're rejoicing while, you know, we're still in chains, like, this doesn't make any sense. Mm. In 1863, we know the Emancipation Proclamation came about, and then not until two years later were the, many slaves actually free. But what I think is really interesting about this whole history is that right after Black folks actually were free from enslavement, they celebrated July 4th as their independence day because they were like this is our personal independence day we're free from slavery we're gonna celebrate we're gonna turn up Ooh, dis-moi tell me more tell me more yeah yeah i think that's crazy so they were like we're gonna use this to honor ourselves because we are finally free this is our country we built but guess what white folks were pissed off about that (laughs) you know they were mad (laughs) they interpreted especially folks in the confederate states they interpreted it as a big middle finger to slave owners like you know we gonna we gonna dance all over this you know this land that we done tilled and toiled over like f you they Mm. felt like black people weren't real american so why should they be celebrating it they're not citizens um Mm. so whites wanted to take it back and they used force actually to make sure that the holiday was not black. They wanted to take back their holiday and make it for only true Americans. Um, So actually black folks then started celebrating on July 5th to stay safe, not only um, from drunk white folks, but also violent white folks. White folks were mad and used arms to let, to put black people in their place really. And um, I think this has always been a discussion and it's always been kind of a contention in that you know black people have built this country but we have never really reaped the full benefits of actually being free and actually having our life liberty pursuit of happiness our independence um and so you know are we are we 
you know, are we able to celebrate? I think, honestly, a lot hasn't changed. So I want to know from you, do you think you can celebrate, you know, July 4th and still be woke? On one hand, we're not free. Yeah. We're celebrating it. But on the other hand, our ancestors literally built this country and sustained this Mm. country. So why shouldn't we celebrate? That is, I mean, (laughs) if there ever was, like a read, I, I love this read of just white people been mad and salty. It sounds like from day one, um, but you know that that that's such an interesting piece of history that I've I've never heard myself. So this idea, you know, that um, slaves were out there once they were free, kind of celebrating um, July Fourth, uh, which even in the name, I'm not gonna lie, Nia. Uh, I'm also embarrassed to admit this. I never really knew July 4th was the same thing as Independence Day. Like, that movie, I had no idea that, that was <laughs> July 4th. Because and you I, ain't free. I think, that, I, think that, I think that was absolutely intentional. And so, right? Because, like, in culture, I, like, what are you doing for the 4th? What are, I, I've never really heard, what are you doing for Independence Day? But, um, so, yeah, I think it. I think it's hard to wrestle with that question, right? Um, especially um, growing up as I did, there was, we heard a lot about July 4th and nothing about Juneteenth, really, um, unless, you know, we were involved in those kind of black family reunions and things, but those were even kind of still pushed to the side, um, which is, to me, interesting, given right now everything that's going on. But... I think I wrestle with um, knowing that um, we weren't, we wouldn't have been able to, you know, celebrate as um, as as slaves. But um, this this new history and information, right? The celebration of July fifth and July fourth. And now I feel like I just gotta celebrate to make my ancestors proud, right? <laughs> Do it for the culture. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I learned a lot of this information, too. And I think, you know, if our listeners want to learn more, we should link up to the article in The Atlantic when the 4th of July was a black holiday. That was mm. featured in uh, 2018 by Ethan Keitel and Blaine Roberts. And they brought a lot of light to um, something that's not really known. And I think our listeners should educate themselves and learn more because I think we wouldn't know. We wouldn't know that, that that this was a holiday that we took. We took back and said, yes, this is for us. So I feel a little less guilty because at first I was like, <laughs> no, nah, I should be celebrating the 4th. But when you think about what our ancestors have done, our ancestors have given to this country, it's like, why wouldn't I, you know? Mm, mm. And you know what? As you were saying that, me, one thing I thought of is like how as black people we do all these like micro acts of just existing, but because of the history of America, they're also revolutionary. And so the idea, right, what does it mean if we're not out there celebrating Fourth of July? Um, and and I get that this comes with a grain of salt, but like almost to be like just like, yeah remind remind these uh have us we are american too not only are we american but we built this america that you enjoy um so be mad be mad (laughs) stay mad (laughs) (laughs) yes you know in the in the fact that 
um, I think they also bring this up in the in the article that I was mentioning mentioning maybe is that you know the people that weren't really even celebrating July Fourth Independence Day were in the Confederate, and which makes sense because they were trying to succeed from the Union. They didn't want to be a part of the Union, so why would they celebrate an Independence Day when they haven't gotten their independence as you know Confederate states? And so to take you know to be upset about former slaves celebrating something that they weren't even celebrating is crazy. It's beyond me, but they didn't want them to have anything. Mm. You know, they didn't want them. They couldn't stand to see them happy and free and the economic power, you know, that kind of came with not having to work for somebody for free, you know, Mm. and slave away for free. And so, you know, it's just interesting to me that like, yeah, we can't have nothing, right? You know, in this this dynamic, this power is what I have been really interested in thinking about when I think about Independence Day. And I wanted to know what you thought about it because I ran across this article that I wanted to talk to you about, um, partly because in my own field, in medicine, pediatrics, I don't see a lot of articles about power or privilege or anything with respect to health. But this one that I found and is yeah. about like health and social care. They're talking about how geography, how place matters. But one thing that struck stuck out to me is how mm-hmm. they cited um, um, a previous article about power. What they said is power, while arguably one of the most debated sociological concepts, can nonetheless be reduced to three fundamental dimensions. So there are three things okay. that, that come into power. One. Okay, you're going to break it down? Right. Is the control okay. of material. So the hmm. control of uh, means of production, the wealth that comes from that production. So controlling those resources. The second thing is the control of human resources. This is where power comes in with slavery too, right? The the human resources that are go into the labor um, of, of producing some of those goods. And finally, the thing that is most revolutionary to me, most important to me, is the control of ideas. Who writes history, right? Who, who controls the ideology, the dominant um, history that we're learning. And it the reason why it's important to me and I've thought about it is because, right, we didn't know that history about July 4th. And mm. and I think there's been a, a serious effort to make sure that we don't know. And I want to mm. know what you think about that. Yeah. Wow. This sharing of ideas. Well, one thing, you know, um, I'd be, I'd be on socials and whatnot. Um, I, I know that you're new to Instagram. Shameless plug. Go follow uh, Dr. Herd Garris. So glad to have you on Insta now. But there's this Insta uh, meme that is a picture of this person who's clearly um, phenotypically white wearing kind of like a, I don't know the technical term, but he's dressed up as a pharaoh with pyramids in the back. Mm. And it says uh, the history that we learned about in the fifth grade, right? And so, and I, I'll never forget, I remember one of our family friends um, asked me a question when I was still in school and younger, and he said, um, are they still teaching uh, about Egypt as if it's in Europe? And I think, right, so this, um, the way that we're taught this, these ideas, um, the keeping of ideas, um, the keeping of information, for sure, is that's control. And so I see that come through in society um, 
so just so much it's so embedded in our um in society and in our institutions um what what came up for you i'm curious because out of all the other two this one really really spoke to you what does it make you think about yeah you know this this control of ideas i feel like is where a lot of i mean don't get me wrong like having materials having land having employees obviously is huge or employees in this case you know in slavery time slaves he Mm -hmm. he who had the land and had the slaves had the power um but this idea of um he who controls the ideas he who has um the history who Mm. controls the people right and i think that is just so impactful because for independence day specifically the fact that they suppressed us knowing that the Confederate States didn't really want to participate in, in Independence Day and making us think that this was a whole, like, white American thing and, that you know, this is lovely, we're all unified, that we didn't know that, I think is intentional. But also, right, like, making us remember or making us feel that we are not Americans, that we have not, we have not earned it. Like, this idea also mm. has from perpetuated right when like our people have built this country like you cannot make me forget that by but by controlling the ideas and controlling the history the fact that we're in 2020 we're just you know rediscovering this yeah wait something you said really like just hit me and stuck with me go with it and and i really want you to uh elaborate on this right because some of what i heard you say and I know you have thoughts on this, is this controlling of ideas, I think, right, because we live in a society that oftentimes history is whitewashed and these events are told in a way that glorifies um, or romanticizes some of these things, right, uh, which makes me think of the quote, right, until the lion learns how to write, the story of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. Similarly, um our history and these stories usually are glorifying white people, but that leads me to um, this idea of and this control over who gets to be American and who is seen as like patriotic in these things, right? So, and how um, right now when I think about what's going on in society and Colin Kaepernick and once again going going to memes and um, I think it was James Baldwin that said that um, he's critical of this country because he loves this country, right? And that that in itself is super American. And so when we have people like Colin Kaepernick and the people who are controlling the narrative, white folks, um, kind of creating the narrative around Colin Kaepernick is him saying that he's un-American. And so we've seen this happen over and over again after Colin Kaepernick and calling into question now. So I'm interested if, if you have any thoughts on like the control, even this idea of like around white people even controlling what is seen as American, especially for July 4th and Independence Day, right? Yeah, I, I definitely have thoughts. I mean, I think... <laughs> One of the things that has been interesting to me and has been striking is this idea of um, not being able to protest. Um, Mm. I think obviously we've been 
it's been difficult or been a little more challenging because we're in the midst of a corona <laughs> global pandemic. However, there's also this criticism of not being able to protest because it's not, you know, as 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 in like protest is not American. Like when really the foundation of our country has been built on and been changed by protest and movements and marginalized folks speaking out to Ooh. to take back their their freedom, their independence, their rights. Um, and so, like to me, what is is more American than that, right? I, I just need to let some silence ride so people can just sit with that for a second. What is more American than that? Wow. Wow. That's, no, I, I hear you and I feel you. And um, I think when I think about our own identities and the intersection of those, when it comes to um, blackness, womanhood, um, queerness, um, those are all things that, right, we had to protest for dignity around those and needless to say our other intersections. But, um, and so we also, we wouldn't be seen even as American without those things. And I think maybe that's part of the reason why I see these things as protest and um, sticking up for marginalized and um, equality, right? So the notion that we're um, equal, I, I believe that was somewhere in our constitution. Maybe it was a footnote. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so the idea that people are trying to, um, you know, uh, fight for equality, there, as you said, seems to be nothing more American than that, especially when the personal is political as it is for marginalized people. Hmm. Right. And you mentioned like the our identities, right? And these intersecting identities and the ways in which, you know, you can hold multiple identities and experience um, people try to have power over instead mm. of power with, right? Power with you versus power over you. Um, and I just wonder too, you know, especially as we're coming off of the heels of Pride Month last month. Um, the ways in which black queer individuals are even more silenced and the power, um, that kind of power dynamic too, and how in celebrating these identities, we take some of our power back. Ooh. Right. Oh, girl, girl, I'm getting all this, uh, little, um, this sermon, yes, take that power back. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like it's it's um, it's in not only our best interest, but it's an honoring of our ancestors and those that have not yet been born to celebrate um, what we have done, what we have contributed, how we have triumphed in the face of unspeakable violence and pain and rape and kidnap and all of that right i mean yeah yeah well it, it you know because as we think about these intersections and things black people are just so freaking resilient 
Uh, and we're also at the forefront of all of these. Like, what would America literally be without us? Nothing. <laughs> like, like legitimately. Um, and, you know, I think I've had experiences um, uh, in life, and I know that black people have that, where they've felt less than in America. And I think that because of those experiences, because of the fight, that we had to do, um, that our ancestors had to do, and that we're still doing today, that brings us back to that original question, and that's why a lot of people, black folks, are like, like, July 4th, Independence Day, that ain't for me, Mm -hmm. um, because it's still all that pain, Mm -hmm. um, and struggle is, is, is still there. Yeah, and especially right now, right, right now when we've got people dying by the police still, right? And we've got Black Lives Matter um, being um, echoed all across the, the nation. It, you know, part of me is like, it doesn't feel right to celebrate July 4th. Um, mm. Like, how can I, how can I be happy? How can I really can celebrate you, this? Can we, can, can I invite you, invitation, not demand, um, <laughs> to really dive into that um, I, I don't know if it's if you'd classify it as cognitive dissonance or just a, as like this emotionally torn or whatever but can can we just go into that a little deeper what it means personally for you and what that experience is like to consider my identity as a as a black person and also consider my identity as an American. Oh, oh shit. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, that was the best formula uh, formulation of what I'm asking you to do. <laughs> and when you said it like that, it obviously we don't have enough time to right. get into that cuz I imagine girl, that could fill um, a book in itself. But but yeah, could could you just speak on what that experience is like? For you to try to hold those two identities uh, individually and at the same time. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I feel like tiring. If I had to give you one word, mm. exhausting. I, I don't think there is even room for the second identity. I feel like being black takes up all of my identity. You know, mm. like it's hard for me to even hold anything else. You know, obviously, if I went to another country, maybe my American-ness, uh, I would feel more. But, like, right now, like, I feel very black. <laughs> I yeah. was, um, when I was in residency, a friend said to me, when you walk into the room, you notice the thing that's different about you. Mm. And then that becomes a, essentially, she didn't say this, but essentially, I feel like that becomes the prevailing thing that you use to mm. to think about yourself so if you're the only black person in the room you're black if you're the only woman in a room full of black folks you're a woman you know like that yeah. identity comes to mm. to be in the forefront what do you think well wait because <laughs> i i love this journey for you and us <laughs> and and our listeners because uh, admittedly I don't got the coin, so I'm not as well-traveled as you. I, I guess I did take a trip recently, but I know that you, right, you did um, study abroad 
in uh, the UK, I believe, and he did some work um, as a doctor, um, as a physician, um, at, right after your residency. I think it was in Central America, right? Mm-hmm, um, in Honduras. Yep. Um, and you and you, you got a went, great memory. I, girl, don't you know? Um, <laughs> I, I'll be out here trying. And I and you you and you and uh, hubby took a trip. So, and you know, one thing I've always heard from white people, and I'm curious if it, this was your experience. Um, white people, white Americans who have traveled, and I heard them travel, is they talked about their experience and the and like their prevailing identity was american right um and so when they went to these spaces they were like oh yeah um i was seen as american i was read as american um but they're also like white right so i wondered when you entered those spaces did you ever like feel american as your salient most prominent identity did you Mm. feel like just like I'm black. I'm I'm in this space, and I'm once again just like one of the black people. Granted, I don't know uh, what diversity looked like over there, but yeah. Ooh, that's so good. I feel like that's another podcast. We should do our, you know, our next podcast thinking about those identities. But I think it it depended for me on the country. So like you know, if you're in Dominican Republic, or and everybody kind of everybody is brown and looks like you or Haiti, whatever, um, then yeah, maybe those uh, that American identity is more in the, on the forefront of my mind. But in other countries, I think my first identity is still black in that diaspora. You know, like in Italy, it's I'm black and people think I'm a migrant worker, right? I'm from, um, I've, I've migrated from a, some, you know, West Africa or North Africa or wherever. And I'm a migrant worker and I'm there to, you know, have work or sell goods or whatever. But I, I think it, it absolutely is situational mm-hmm. and contextual for me. Um, but I think, firstly, my identity, I feel like a black person, a black woman. And, and if I'm in a room that I deem is a safe room with other black folks, then I'm able to hold other identities in that moment mm. yeah you're right that that we, we could go in and dive in more and more that's <laughs> gotta be a, a future one yeah well you know we're almost on our time and i and i want to know you know what what you're feeling right now like what you're feeling right now what you want to like leave with our listeners before we close yes yeah, absolutely i um you know um, I'll leave, honestly, my experience and what listening to this, to learning this history has done for me. To be honest, I don't think about my nationality ever. I don't even think about it on 4th of July. Um, the, the times that I do think about nationality, the only time is when I think about, um, um, uh, gosh, what is it? Citizenship? And and really, when I'm thinking about really working with um, documented and undocumented folks, which I'm sure we'll <laughs> grapple with along the lines in the future <laughs> as well. Um, but that's the really only time, and then it becomes a source of um, kind of privilege in a way. But it's really via citizenship 
um, because mm-hmm. when I think of it as nationality alone, it's this just nothingness space. Um, but uh, uh, one thing that I say to students and I say um, in general is I'm not in the business of taking away people's emotions. So if you feel guilty, let yourself experience that if you feel disappointment (laughs) let yourself experience that and I'm not gonna lie after I had that um, initial workshop and my student kind of called me out I have been feeling guilty um, for not even the role I played in celebrating fourth of July but I felt guilty about my lack of awareness about how other black folks specifically how Mm. strong they feel about it um and now I'm in a space where I got Fourth of July weekend plans, not gonna lie. <laughs> um, and originally my friends and I we were going to like rep other countries in a like uh, micro protest for people that wanna co- show up to Black Lives Matter rallies with their all lives matter signs. <laughs> so on this holiday that was supposed to celebrate <laughs> America, we was gonna rep other countries. I love it. <laughs> Yes, just because we're petty like that. I like but, that, yes. <laughs> but now I'm like, you know, um, I, I may just show up, turn up for my ancestors who <laughs> wanted to, who tried to, and at times were um, um, punished for doing so. So that's what I'm doing. I love I, that, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, what about you? I love sis? that. I also, something struck me really quickly, I know we're wrapping up, is that if you are you just identify as American, like you don't have to put something in front of it, Chinese American, Black mm. American, whatever, that's a privilege. Like you don't have, Oof. you're not saying that, then that's right there is 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 privileged. Like that's mm. your first identity. It's, it's crazy to me, but um, yeah, I don't know. Like hubby wants to grill for Fourth <laughs> of July. I've been having a lot of um, reflections about Fourth of July. Um, as part of the podcast, like I've really been grappling with it and trying to figure out where, you know, what side I'm on. Should I be on the 4th of July? Let's, let's get down with the get down. Or should I celebrate July 5th just to be in, in one accord with uh, Frederick Douglass and, 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 and the folks. But I think I feel, yeah, I feel like this is my country because my ancestors have given so much to it and have never been recognized. So, you know, July 4th, we might, we might get down. We'll see. I, I hear you. And, and hubby's a, a grill master, so. Yes. So, so that's awesome. Save, save, no. save me some, um, I, exactly, right? Uh, <laughs> I get it. <sighs> yeah. Well, as always, it is a pleasure to talk to you, to, like, reach out to the listeners on a Flesh and Bowl. This is our first podcast episode in the bag done yeah. i love that love Good that journey done. for us all right well all right. whether if, yeah whether or not you decide to celebrate fourth of july uh let us know okay